This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to episode 26 of Celtic Movement TV, the Boz and Bob podcast, with your host Mark and myself, Paul. Barry and Michael will join us today where we will talk and discuss uh, Gavin from Indie Health and Chris from Celtic Australia's opinions from yesterday's show. Began just on his way. Former Rangers player Kevin Mostart potentially being appointed his assistant. Edward Telesto deal City is almost done. Neil Lennon claiming we have a new breed of Celtic supporters. And finally, is it going to be exciting times for Celtics? Firstly, Mark, for our weekly shout-outs. Oh, thanks again, Paul. How are you doing? Good, boy. Good now. Can't complain. Hopefully, Good. Okay. we're going to get some news in the next couple of days. Uh, it's looking that way. Well, looking that No, the shout-outs. Well, today, uh, just the usual ones out to Tim Alloy, Malika. I don't know if Malika's got to Ireland yet or not, to be honest. Uh, and Richie ROH and young Ben and a special wee shout out for Paul and his wife Veronica. It's their fifth wedding anniversary on Wednesday, so hope you have a lovely time there, lad. Oh God. Welcome uh. to some of the guys in the live chat as well. Gamsy and Bobby. There's a new name I've not seen him in before. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoy what we're doing and just keep saying Pass the messages about get your friends and family tuning in. Remember to subscribe and hit the like button. Thanks very much. Celtic in rooms and gossip. So Edward looks to be leaving Celtic. Uh, supposedly a transfer deal has already been agreed with Leicester in and around the fifteen million pound mark. We will discuss this in more detail later on in the show. Celtic have been linked with Kenyan centre back Joseph. Okumu, who is currently playing in Sweden with Ulsborg, various clubs across Europe have also been tracking and interested in this player. Bernie Okumu are in talks with Christopher Iyer agents and are prepared to offer Celtic a deal in and around of £8 million pounds for the trans- when the transfer opens. Looks like Jack Hendry won't be returned to Celtic next season as his club KV Ostad have triggered their buy, buy clause of £1.75 million. Pounds. Lee Griffiths will train with Celtic for pre-season as no decision has been made or on his on his uh, final contract as Celtic haven't triggered the one-year extension being guest. As discussed in the previous show by myself and Mark and our guests, it's now looking likely that John Kennedy and Gavin Strachan will be taking the role as managers for pre-season training. Due to COVID restrictions, it could mean that Big Ange won't be able to attend the pre-season thing. What's your views at this talk? Should, should have John Kenny and Gavin Strachan have walked with me, Lennon, and should it be left, still be left take 
pre-season training with the squad. Firstly, uh, we're going to welcome our guest onto the show. With us today is going to be Barry and Michael. Back to get the, the lads. Just got to get them on, bud. But, uh, it's strange, back and again, that Kennedy and Strachan are still going to be involved in the, the pre-season thing in this. Well, as I've said before, just, I'm, I have people against Strachan, a lot of pelters in that, but I thought he was brought in as a data analyst. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Strang deserves as much of the blame as people keep keeping on him on the team. Could you name who any other person would club club in line of the coaching is at another club? Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it just seems exactly. to be a conscious what's been going on in the dugout. Like, but Kennedy have spoke about hundred things, Paul, you know, that, but I just, yeah. if Stratton is doing that data analysis and he's as good as, he's, as, good as people say he is, I don't see a problem with Stratton still being there doing that job under another manager. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Uh, our guests are alive with us now. Barry and Michael, welcome to the show again, lads. Thanks, guys. How's everybody in the chat? All right. Thanks for coming on again, lads. No problem. Cheers, guys. So, Barry, stop yourself. Are we... Um, kind of a little more relaxed that maybe be Gange's comment that the deal is supposed to be an agreed parcel, Tom's agreed and given what uh, Gavin and Chris were saying about him yesterday, he seems a manager that would kind of interest the Celtic supporters don't he? Yeah, I think so uh, like I said, yes, I, I'm getting on board um, with uh, Poster Coglu now uh, I, I think obviously when I was on the podcast last, everything was a bit sort of raw within the last sort of 48 hours, you know, the, the deal had mm-hmm. collapsed and stuff like that. And I, I did say, I hold my hands up, I did say, you know, the appointment would be underwhelming. Um, but like I say, like, like all sort of Celtic supporters within that time frame, we've all done our sort of research and background. And you know what? It could potentially be an even better appointment than what how was that the character that he seems to be and the attributes and characteristics that he has, it, it could very well be exactly what we're looking for. So, uh, and, and listening to the guy yesterday, I thought the guys were fantastic yesterday, Gavin and Chris getting their insight uh, and, and, him. and it's great to know because you, you, you can read up on somebody and you can look at YouTube. Yeah, but to, to, you start to hear a first hand like who saw him and the way he asked to, to, to hear from them, wasn't it, Barry? Absolutely, and obviously both Gavin and Chris are you know, familiar with him for, for a, a long time. You know, he's managed uh, you know, Gavin's national team uh, so, so to get these guys' opinions was great, and I, I thought two of them were fantastic yesterday. It was great to listen to them, and, and hopefully they come on again. It would be great to, to sort of get them back on going forward. Uh, but yeah, absolutely, you know, sort of looking forward to the appointment getting made now, and let let the big fella get started, and, and you know the recruitment process, and you know we're not too far away from pre-season starting. So I'm looking forward to to what's going to happen over the next sort of few days and weeks. Mm-hmm. Michael, what was your take on the, the lads yesterday? Given do your views on B. Gange? Were you impressed what they were saying about him? And he's the manager that maybe he said he's got looking for? So I, I was impressed um, prior to the guy coming on the show yesterday, obviously. Looking into the guy before like before he was in ninth that he was going to be getting a job a few days ago. But um, it was good to get guys that are living in Australia have more views on him. Mm-hmm. So they can update, like, maybe more reassurance for guys that are more local 
to Celtic in this country that that had their doubts. And obviously, they're still going to be guys that have their doubts. Mm-hmm. But surely, after the dust is settled and you look into it, like you say, Eddie Howe and Foster Coglu, I mean, there's there's really only one winner. Like if if we were back before Eddie Howe was offered the job, and you offered and you had a chance to get either of the managers, I mean, there's only one manager that you would take over the other, surely. Mm-hmm. Mark, I think that's the reason why we asked the two two guys to come on yesterday was to give the uh, guys on the live chat and on the forum a different view who saw uh, Big Ange firsthand and so they, they, they'll get to know him a bit better, in this? Uh, definitely. I don't think Gavin especially would have... I don't think he, was, he would have said what he was in the meaning. I don't think he was on there with Celtic support or everything in the garden, everything in the garden's rosy kind of hat on. Mm-hmm. It, it was, I mean, it, it was basically they just backed up what we've all read up on. And, but if you're hearing it for the, like, the horses, kind of thing, it's a lot better than just reading articles on the web. Mm-hmm. It, was really, it was really interesting listening to the two of them. And just going by Michael, uh, his style of play, he likes to play in fast attack in football, he likes to play the high press. Is there a bit of worry that if, if Kennedy and if Kennedy and, and Strachan were involved in, in pre-season training, that are they going to get the fitness levels up to what Bigan's style of play is, or considering what we saw of the team last season? I don't think so. I think it is. I'm as positive as well. I try to be as positive as possible the last few podcasts, but having they two in charge, especially Kennedy, mm-hmm. is a serious worry for myself, and they two guys, well, I say they two, it's mostly Kennedy for me, if Kennedy, <laughs> the thought of Kennedy taking the few players we've got left anyway after they're all sold and out of contract or on the back to the hand, it gives me severe anxiety that he's still involved in and around the club. And I understand, like it says, people in quarantine, and that I'd be very disappointed once Foster Coglu and his coaching staff are brought in if any of the guys are still there. Mm-hmm. No, none of the guys weren't a place at Celtic Football Club after last season. None of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Barry, what's your take on the lad taking pre-season training and with the style of football he plays? He plays fast attacking and 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 the lad taking pre-season. Yeah, well, I mean that's exactly the brand of football that Celtic supporters are used to. Mm-hmm. You know, fast attacking, expansive football, high pressing. That's what set sets Celtic apart from any other team. You know, the quality that Celtic have uh, is above, and I still maintain for me, it's above any team in Scotland. Uh, but it's the things like the the, the fitness and you know the, the the attitude and the the, the high press. You know, if Celtic produce all them, they'll win. 95% of games uh, for me um, with regards to the guys you know Kennedy and Strachan taking pre-season one of the things I picked up on yesterday from Gavin he, he did mention on a few occasions that um, Foster Cogley likes his team's fit he gets his team's very very fit and, and I'm delighted to hear that mm-hmm. um, but you know if, if he is, you know, we're expecting a potential appointment later on this week. Uh, I know I've said that once or twice before, but... Don't jump juice that now, Barry. But who should say that uh, Postico can't be involved in the pre-season? I know physically he can't be, but there's nothing to say he can't set up a programme. And if it is uh, Kennedy and Strachan that are going to be there while he's in 
Absolutely, whether it be a Zoom call, whether it be firing over emails, like this is what I want the team to do. Day one, I want you to start with this. You know, this should be following his instructions. So for me, I wouldn't like to think that it's maybe Kennedy and Strachan creating uh, a pre-season programme. It might be that they just head it up and it's Poster Coglu that's actually running it. That that would be my ideal scenario. Well, as we've said before, one of the things we kind of said in John Kennedy's favour is that all John Kennedy was doing on the training field is what Neil Lennon set him to do. No, it's not down to the assistant manager to come up with all this stuff. It's up to the manager to pass it on. A lot of teams it's assisting it. The work on the field, but as Gav can actually that comes on the training field a lot. Eh? So just and he's involved, yeah, exactly. Just the bad saying there, just if it's Poster Coglu that's setting this plan or him and his team that's setting this plan and it's just Kennedy and Stratton that's implementing it, I don't see there being that much of a problem yet. It's when it is only really to get a fitness programme in place kind of thing. So I, was, I was reading into him and I was just taking what, what the lads were saying about him, like he, he's a no-nonsense manager, it's either his way or, or, or it's no way that he won't accept players who don't kind of buy into his system. He likes wing-backs, he likes wingers, he likes the goalkeeper and the centre-backs to be able to play out from the back and start building from the back. But looking at our squad at the moment, we don't have those players for him. So my thing is, that should he be left, should he be backed by the board to bring in the players he wants? And not in previous years, the board's just selecting players to, to fill the squad barrier. Well, I mean, uh, that that's the thing, you know, and uh, if it is, you know, if he does like these types of players, these brands of players, I mean, going back to the no-nonsense part, that, that's potentially exactly what, what we need. For. Yeah. You know, in the past, apart from potentially Brendan Rodgers, maybe going a wee bit further back, Martin Neal, we've kind of never had that sort of character, that big sort of character that's willing to, you know, not, not not scared to shake things up a bit, you know. He's maybe not willing to, to accept what the board are going to say. Um, and, and like I say, you know, I did like again going back to one of Gavin's quotes yesterday when he was talked about there's pressure on him from the media in, in uh, Australia to, to bring back the boys like Harry Kuehl and other sort of, you know, I think Schwarzer was the other one. He yeah, big enough and he's his own man enough to say. Uh, well, you know, you know what? That, that's not what I want to do, and therefore I'm not doing it. So he didn't bow to the pressure. He didn't bow to the pressure. But I mean, with regards to the personnel not being there, there's no doubt about it. Paul, we've spoken on many occasions now. You know, the recruitment is needed. It's needed badly, and I'm hoping that there's some sort of things in progress, wheels in motion. I, I don't know who's at the back, who's behind it, or who's running it. But there's no doubt about it. We're going to need players in. And the good thing is the the fact that Poster Coglu is coming in, he will hopefully be able to maybe not identify players as such as in names, but he might say, well, this is the style of play I want. These are the players that I like, I like to play with, whether it be like you know small, speedy wingers or and a big attacking striker. He might be able to identify that, and then from that, hopefully whoever's you know running that side of it at the minute, we don't know who it is because we've not got a head of recruitment. They can potentially identify players. So it's like starting with a blank canvas, but. Yeah, I mean, obviously, it's going to be an exciting few weeks ahead once he's appointed and the players that do come in and the players that do leave, like, like we've spoken about before. So let's just see what happens. So, Michael, it is crucial, Michael, that he gets the backing of the board for his players, Michael Inters, that he, that, he, that he wants for his style of play, that we don't go back to previous years and just fill the squad. 
manager has got to sort of, like you say, he's got barriers. The manager brings in the players, and he'll he'll know what style he wants to play. Mm-hmm. He'll know the players that are available in the current squad that he's got. And let's face it, a lot of them aren't good enough. What I will say, no, got a lot of building, but I still believe we've got a goalkeeper that can play the style of play that he mm-hmm. wants. That's one thing I will say for the Barkas. Okay, he's never been great at crosses or that so far, but the guy can at least play with his feet. So I don't think we've got a worry there, and I still think Barkas will come good for the season. But that's one thing we didn't have under Brendan Rodgers, the way he played. That Garden couldn't play on with his feet, but we have a keeper over Barkas that can play that side of football as well. Can't, don't, don't well he's very rare, like you say, in the world where you've got a goalkeeper that's good at everything. Mm-hmm. He's a good shot, he's good at crosses, he's good with his feet. That's when you start getting into like the Edersons and Allison and that kind of range of goalkeeper. A, a lot of time when you've got to goalkeepers now, it's, you've got to have one or the other. Eh? Mm-hmm. So like, You've got to be realistic with the players you can get at your club as well. And, and Barkas, I think, like you said, I've stayed at loads of times and but I still think that he'll come good for me. And the, the most shock was when I was reading the day that, or a few hours ago, that Christopher Ayers and advanced stocks are buying Leverkusen mm-hmm. for £8 million. Pounds. I just don't understand how, well, a year left on his contract, Ayers going for £8 million and Edwards going for £15 million, but also a year left on his contract, when in my opinion, they're equally as promising as each other in the positions that they're in. I don't know how one could be half the value of the other. You know what I mean? Just take a score by Ed Roberts scoring goals, isn't it? That's where they're kind of based on, I think, is this? Ed Ayer will also stop goals as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, like, I think anybody that knows football will still look at Ayer. Never had the greatest this season last season, but he's a player, it, that's a player that guy like it. Does it make a difference, Barry, actually, in the valuation of a player? Would a striker's value be higher than a defender in, in football? Yeah, I mean, that, that, it's common knowledge, but yeah, absolutely. I mean, your strikers will always be your most valuable players. Uh, because, well, you know, the old adage of the hardest thing to do is put the ball in the net. That is, mm-hmm. And that's what it's all about. Um, so so there's no doubt, you know, the. I mean, I agree with Michael. I, I, if anything, I'm a wee bit disappointed in the valuation at Ayer. I, I get that he's coming into the final year of his contract. Um, but, but he is. He's a massive asset. And he's done it at Celtic. He's done it on the international stage. He is a big, big player. Um, I would have been hoping for potentially 10 to 12 million maybe for IR given the circumstances mm-hmm. he's coming to last his contract but you know the figure banded about about Edward you know you know 15 to, to, to 18 million yet yeah, I, I think that's a good deal but I think generally yes Paul you're bang on strikers always go for more money than anything so um, when Tierney went for 25 million at that point I actually did think well we are going to get more money for for uh, Edward just on that basis that you know your strikers always go for more money unfortunately you know his, his stocks dropped slightly and he's going into the last year his contract so um, we're probably not going to get what we would, would maybe a couple of seasons ago but yeah I mean the, the price for Ayer is a bit disappointing but I think for Edward it's probably just about right Mark that's one thing that we need to kind of stop under the new the, the new board of Dominic because is letting players slip into the last year of their contracts and letting their valuation go down isn't this. Oh, I think it depends on a lot on the player as well. I mean, if, mm-hmm. if it's one of your star players and that, you can understand why you want to, want to keep them for as long as possible. Uh, but if we need to look at so many contracts all expiring at the one time, that would mm-hmm. have been a major blunder. That, and as I said a few times about the amount of loans we had in the team, the amount of loans in the team and the amount of contracts expiring we were always going to end up in a bad situation at the end of this year 
I thought we were going to get a bit more money for the two boys we were just talking about there, but it's, kind of, it's just kind of the norm in football, really, Paul. Isn't it? It's split off. I mean, we even, when we're looking at potential targets for Celtic, we're looking at players, oh, he's coming into the last year of his contract. Mm-hmm. He's either moving or he's signing a new contract. It's one or the other, one or the other kind of thing. So, given that uh, the Champions League's qualifiers start for Celtic on the 20th and 21st of July, uh, with big ads coming in, we say, near enough to the end of June, just around the pre-season, do we write off the, the qualifiers, Barry, now that trying to get players in during that period and, and time to gel, or with his when mortality, he, he plays to win? Do we think we have a chance under him? I certainly would never write off the qualifiers. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't. We spoke about it before. It's going to be very difficult, especially mm-hmm. being in the non-champions route this season. I think we've spoken about the teams that we could potentially yeah. face. But you never write it off. You, you, you just don't do that. So you never know. You know, if, if we do get some players in the door, like I say, I think it's going to be highly unlikely. However, you know, you do want European football. You want Celtic to be playing in all competitions where possible. So for me, the first, <coughs> excuse me, the first part would be the qualifier that we've got, I think it's the 20th of July, you know, mm-hmm. we've got one of three teams, uh, Mitchell and Galatasaray, uh, oh, I the other one. Cenk, is it Cenk? Yeah, uh, no, no, it's not there, uh, it's uh, Rapid Vienna. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, if, if we can get through that, we're guaranteed European football, we're guaranteed group stages of the Europa League. Um, but, you know, I would certainly never write Foster Coglu might come in and have a big, big impact. The players might buy straight away into his methods, his styles, his philosophies. And you never know, you know, if you do get the luck of the draw, you, you know, might get an easier one. In the second pl- I mean, we're thinking far ahead of ourselves. But to answer your question, I would never write it off, Paul. But, yeah, I, I must admit, it is going to be a tall order. That's what I was thinking, like, at, uh, before I spoke to the lads, you know, and I was saying, like, that, the main thing next year is obviously is going to be the league and with the Champions League club it was kind of that little bit too soon but then when the lads were talking to us he plays to win and that if as you said like if the players buy into him quickly you, you can't write it off uh, uh, Mark can you you know if they buy into his philosophy straight away if he gets the players in uh, it's know? still going to be a massive ask to actually get through the qualifiers into the Champions League I think it would have been a massive ass no matter who was manager or what players were mm-hmm. going. I think we'll, I still think we'll get into the Europa League and I'll be happy enough with that, considering the rebuilding we're under. Obviously, I would like to see in the Champions League, but I'm, I'm not holding out much hope on it. Mike, what's your take on that I think Celtic as a football club, you can never write it off any form of Europe, and Europe should still be... Uh, it should still be a goal, like it says, the... As a minimum, it must be the Europa League. And mm-hmm. like I said, if like this thing that if Big Angie gets um, comes in and players don't if they buy into the way that he plays and that, well, if certain players don't buy into the the way that he wants to play, then get rid of them. Too many players in that squad that call the shots and they've been doing it for years. Like I said, hopefully the guy comes in and he shakes the whole club up from top to bottom. Mm-hmm. So like the minute he's arrival the media are automatically going to be on his back immediately when, when he comes as Celtic manager and given the surroundings around um, George Square and stuff like that if they happened again and the rivalry between Celtic Rangers. Is he the type of man, Barry, do you think that will be able to handle all this pressure? 
uh, like, do you think he's already aware of this? What's 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 going on? I mean, for, for me, he certainly comes across as a character that that would be mm-hmm. more, uh, you know, adept to to handling that pressure. And certainly, you know, if you ask me the question, you know, who do you think is more, uh, you know, able to handle that sort of pressure, Eddie Howe or Postacogli? I'm mm-hmm. thinking Postacogli every day of the week. I mean. I'm sure we've all seen the videos, you know, he faced quite a lot of scrutiny in the Australian press. I mm-hmm. actually seen a video where there was one of the press members live, I don't know if it was live on there or whatever, that actually called for his resignation to, to his face. You know, so he's actually had to deal with sort of press scrutiny. And he'll get that in Glasgow, of course he will. You know, the, the press are out for Celtic. Every sort of mm-hmm. press member is out for Celtic. Well, we've faced it for decades, you know. So, but for me, I think, judging from what I've read upon him, from what people have said, from videos that I've watched, I would say he is, he's adequately uh, suited to, to handle these sort of situations. And I don't think that'll phase him one little bit. I think, if anything, he might even embrace it. Mike? Uh, yeah, I, I agree, like you say. I, like, when I heard the news that how was obviously turned the job down or whatever you want to call it, I was as devastated as most Celtic supporters. But as soon as the post of was mentioned and they did a bit of research on him, I was more swung the other way. And I was, I was like, I was just glad, like you say, that we were getting somebody his quality in. And mm-hmm. I understand where a lot of Celtic sports came by not came from in the last week or so, where they've held the reservations and that, because, like I've said, I'm not going to sit here and say that I knew who he was prior to the announcement. But after, like you say, you just need to do some things, you're built, just do the elements and have a bit of search, and you just need to look at, like you say, the guys that I've spoke about him, and you need to look at him looking at Australia to the World Cup twice, winning the league in Japan. Like you say, a lot of people in this country think, oh, well, that's easy to do. It's not really like yeah, Asia's a big place. Let's go. What Gavin was saying yesterday, like between the two leagues, the J League is is a harder league. As he said, like there's about ten teams in that division who can easily win that league. And for him to take Yokohama to win in the league was a huge achievement for for that club. Yeah, uh, Japan. Yeah, like again, it's and I understand like says these leagues are widely covered here, mm-hmm. but in Japan in that. Celtica, like I can guarantee you that the fans of the club uh, Yokohama that he's manager they're probably thinking to themselves right now why is he leaving us to go there mm-hmm. that's what they're probably saying no I mean like some of the clubs in Japan are absolutely massive like I mean you look at some of the fans and some of the attendances they're getting some of these stadiums when they're at full capacity you're talking like 80-90 in there mm-hmm. I mean some of the clubs are massive over there like I say it's about the achievement of winning the league with Yokohama and like you say, like the guys confirmed yesterday, this isn't just like a one or two horse race. Like you say, you've got like nine, ten clubs that have got a chance of winning that league every year. So the fact that he came in and did what he did was a, a massive achievement. Mm-hmm. So that's all from, from on Beacons for, for this uh, show. Look, we'll talk about more when his appointment comes. So we're going to move on. Uh, Beacons' appointment uh, coming with, uh, soon with Yokohama's last game of the season being on Wednesday. And I'm left to believe that he will be travelling to Celtic on Wednesday via a flight from Australia to Athens and then to Scotland to to sign the deal. One coach who was in the frame of, of maybe Coney's assistant was Kevin Muscat, but now I'm hearing that that won't be happening as it just came out the last hour that that's not going to happen. But even if it was to happen, Barry, should 
Celtic fans be in disagreement over him being commented, of course, because of his relationship with Rangers. Uh, Big Ange wants him. Should he be back to bring in what coaches he wants? You know what, Paul? I, I, everybody's entitled to their opinion. See, for me, it's not one iota of an issue. If, if Foster Coldly wanted Kevin Muscat as part of his uh, backroom staff, give him that. Not a problem. I mean, for, I think for me, it's kind of petty. It's, mm-hmm. like, it's petty for fans to turn around and say, oh, but this guy, you know, he played for Rangers. I mean, he was at Rangers for one season. I don't even think he played that much. He certainly never played against Celtic. He never even played in an old firm game. Um, but, you know, this is where, you know, we need to, if Posta Coglu is, is wanting certain uh, individuals to come with him, to come as part of his backroom team, this is where we need to, to allow it to happen. Yeah, I absolutely grant it. I, I do, I've read, like you, I've read that it's not going to happen. Uh, I think just in the last couple of hours, it's been sort of reported that Muscat isn't actually part of these plans. I think it was maybe just the media. I think I think uh, Muscat was part was his assistant at, uh, I think it was Melbourne, actually. Mm-hmm. He was his assistant at Melbourne. Uh, and they've just sort of put together that uh, Muscat will be coming as part. But, I mean, no, for me, you know, those days are gone now. You know, the, the sort of pettiness, you know, you've seen a lot of players now cross, you know, over. You know, we've had a lot of players in the last sort of 10, 15 years that, you know, Kenny Miller, Stephen Presley, Mark Brown, it's not a big deal anymore. And, and for me, you know, the fact that Muscat was associated with Rangers many moons ago for one season, that wouldn't be an issue. Kenny McDowell was at Celtic for years. Mm-hmm. And he moved over as, as part of McCoy. Like I've I once thought on one Celtic uh, Twitter site that says they're calling him a cheese, a tug, and should never come near a club. Like, that kind of negativity around the club needs to stop. Like, doesn't this... You know, it needs to stop by trying to find these things again to just put a big shadow over the club again, Michael, doesn't it? Yeah, that's what I've recently said this numerous times on the podcast. People will find negativity in anything. Mm-hmm. That's the problem these days. Like you said, that people will never want to be happy or look to the future. Or it's always negativity with. Most most fans and most people in the world just now, eh? and if that guy, even though like I said, it looks like he's not coming, Kevin Muscat. Kevin Muscat um, took the manager's job at Melbourne Victory after Big Ange took the Australian yeah. job in 2014, and he went to assistant to manager. And then Kevin Muscat's been a manager now for five six years on his own. I don't think it was ever feasible that he was coming as an assistant again anyway after being his own man for so long. But even if he, if it was the case, and, and what if, what and what if it was? We're getting the winner anyway, as you said, Mike, we're getting a fellow who's in managerial experience anyway. We'd be getting the winner on the coaching team anyway. And I've seen these comments about, oh, he's an animal and he's yeah. in the park. And that was on the, that was when he's playing. What's that got to do with now? <laughs> Again, it's just what I've said there. It's just people finding negativity in anything. Like you said, if Kevin Muscat was coming in as assistant, so be it. I mean, I saw Kevin Moscow over John Kennedy or that. Mm-hmm. It's still there, Mark, though, isn't it? The, these, these groups of that they don't want nothing linked between Celtic and Rangers, isn't it? I wonder what their reaction would have been if Dermot Desmond had managed to convince Alex Ferguson to come and take over. Mm-hmm. I mean, Alex Ferguson played for Rangers for a lot longer than Kevin Muscat did, but they'd have accepted that because Alex Ferguson was coming from Manchester United to Celtic. Again, exactly. to, to, really, to me, this is what we spoke about before. It's a wee bit of snobbery. 
a wee bit of looking down their nose at these other leagues, and then, oh wait, <coughs> pardon me, oh he played for Rangers as well, we'll concentrate on that, we'll crucify him for that, I, I agree with the other two lads here, a lot of nonsense for me, it's not as if it's, you know what I mean, Richard Goff or Ian, or Ian Ferguson or that we're bringing in, do you know what I mean, from what I've seen, I couldn't actually find out the exact number of games that he played, that's how long ago it was, even a few Rangers sites I looked at, all they were saying, yeah. all they were saying was more than 25, and one of the pages i seen said he only played 22, I can I can remember him playing for Rangers and I, he was a dirty player, and a hard player, but mm-hmm. as I said, he played 20 odd games for them, it's not exactly, he's not exactly a, a Rangers legend, does he? True, that's, that's a good point, Max, so look, we are going to talk more about what Kevin was there first, as we found, as I know, as, as Barry read and the lads read, that deal is off, and it was only, I think it was the media in Australia, Barry, that was linking the kind of two and two together, really then want this, you know? Yeah, well, like I say, I mean, he, he was um, Poster Cogley's assistant at Melbourne uh, many years ago, and, you know, that that's just the media thinking, oh, there's, there's a link there, one will say that, you know, he, Postacoglu's want to bring him in as his assistant, you know. But like I say, if it had been the case for for me, not a problem, you know. I, I don't care, I don't care if he's played a hundred games for Rangers. If this is what our manager wants, and he feels he'd be a valuable addition to, to his coaching staff, bring him in. I'm all for it. But like I say, we're on understanding now that it was never going to happen. But well, if we've all been screaming as well for long enough that the manager should at least be able to pick his, his man. We talk about that. I was, but then, yeah. see when they do it, nobody's happy because it's somebody mm-hmm. they don't like or cause you. Do you get what I mean? The, the, the yeah. people out there that, there's people out there on social media and all that. And uh. No matter what you do, you're never going to please them. They're just always going to find something to be negative and moan about, and that's all that's going to happen. So, we're moving on from Kevin Mustard. Uh, Edward is more than likely a done deal as he's supposedly currently in talks with Leicester City over 15 million. Pounds, sorry, I was going to say euros, as being in Ireland, but the deal has now been agreed. So at the moment, we're left with two strikers in our first team for when we report back the pre-season training, and that's Ayeshi and Griffiths. Griffiths, whose future is not secured yet at Celtic, as they haven't triggered his contract extension. So if they were just stuck with Ayeshi. Now, my question here is that with the board's recent track read of signing project signings, and do, you need, do we need to stop this project sign next season for, do we need to bring in a more experienced striker considering the strikers that we have left or do we continue with our project signings there, Barry? You know what, it's, it's a difficult one, Paul, because I don't think there's a right or wrong answer here. You know, they walked me, out as well, didn't they? You know, you know what, it's, it's about the quality of that doesn't really matter how old he is or how old they are. You know, you could you could have looked at um, you know Kamala as a project signing for the simple reason that you know he'd only I don't know how many seasons he'd played in Poland, but you know he's coming from a, a specific league. He hadn't scored that many goals, but Celtic mm-hmm. saw something in him. You know, to replace Edward, I, I do believe we are going to need to find a, a player of quality. Uh, and but that doesn't you know whether that player be twenty year old twenty or twenty eight year old. It doesn't really matter to me. We we just need to identify the player that, or you know, the manager identifies the player that he believes c- can be his number one striker, or you know, play in the style that he plays. 
but you know, I don't really think it really matters how old they are. I mean, we've spoken about it before. We don't want you know constant project signings. Mm-hmm. You know, like I say, if, if you if you can bring in maybe two or three into your squad, the development great, but. It's not something you want to have five, six, seven, eight project signs out. And that's the way we've been going for a long time now. That's what I'm saying. Like, if we can get a good striker, we say, for eight, nine million instead of three strikers for, for the same price. Do you know what I mean? That's it. And you, you know what? I said that for, well, God, probably the majority of the season on the forum, and, and it divides opinion. Now, I'm not saying he would be coming in to replace Edward, but for me, I'd I'd go in in a second and get the boy Kevin Nisbet, and it's mm-hmm. not just on a reaction to his goal against Hull. I've been seeing it for a long time. I really like that boy. I, I've watched him a few times now, especially against us. I watched him three times against us, and I thought the three times he was excellent. I actually thought the best game he played was the game that we beat them three 0 I thought he was a constant menace to us that game. But for me, you know, a four million pounds, three and a half million pounds, that would get you Kevin Nisbet. Go and get, go and do it. You know, for me now, I'm not saying like I say. I'm not saying he's going to come and replace Edward, but he's a quality striker, and, and you can't have enough quality strikers in your team, you know, or in your squad. He knows where the goal is. He's a proven scorer in, in the SPL. You know, he's now broke on the international scene. He, he, he looks like he, he could potentially hold his own there. Like I think I made a comment. I can't remember if it was in the forum or if it was uh, on the live chat. You know, if he goes in and, and has a decent Euros, gets a couple of goals, he's going to be out with Celtic's prices, and he's going to have a number of clubs after him. So. For me, he'd be one person I'd be going to look at. Like I say, not to necessarily praise Edward, but to bring him into the squad. We've lost Kamala. You know, we, we don't know if we're going to have Griffiths next season. Ayeti's got massive question marks over him. So let's go and get somebody on their base. So, Far too many times we'll let players go. The way Ayeti plays, um, I can't see him fitting into uh, Biganja's style of play, fast moving. I, you know, I, I, I can't see how he would fit in there. Considering his lack of fitness, Barry, you know. Well, well, no, he's never shown really that he's got a, a great attitude. I mean, you know, I've never seen him closing down. I don't like to say if we're led to believe that that's the way Costa the high like press, yeah, the high press. You know, you're going to need your strikers to work their socks off, and and certainly, like I say, going back to Nisbet, he does that. He works very hard. Yeah. He presses very well. But you know, to step away from him, you know, I think Mark and a few others on the the, uh, the forum have mentioned. And yet he's got big sort of attitude issues, and you know. So you, you talk about going into the season with Griffiths and Ayetis are two strikers. We don't know if Griffiths is going to be here, and Ayetis potentially a problem. So you're then looking at you've not got any strikers. You know, Kamala's gone. Edward is going to go very shortly. You know, we're in a we're in a tough spot when it comes to you know the striking department. Mm-hmm. If we're just looking. Not just the striking department, like, like Gavin pointed out, as every Celtic supporter pointed out, the players we need, like, surely the board as well know that these positions, because he likes to have wingers and left-backs, uh, he likes them to move up the field, and we don't have none of them. Like, should the board, like, give him the money and not, not get loan signs again, as we've seen in the past, and have project signs that... Money needs to be spent wisely this season on the right path to face this system. Oh, I've said before, Paul, see if you're going to get a loan player in. For me, the loan player's got to be at a level above what you've got. Unless it's an mm-hmm. emergency, kind of, you know what I mean? somebody got a bad injury in December and you need a loan to cover you over that period, so you get something in January. But it should be somebody that's at a bit of a higher level than the players you've actually got. 
somebody that's maybe a wee bit, see like Kelly Anousi, somebody that was at the time he was a wee bit out of a price range, kind of, that kind of thing. So there's no point mm-hmm. filling your squad with squad fillers, loan players like guys like John Joe Kenny and Laxalt and that. I mean, thank, mm-hmm. thank God we didn't buy any of the two of them. But it was, again, bad management and bad planning, too many loan scenes, and loan scenes that weren't actually good enough to be playing for us. Mm-hmm. Like, Michael, the, the one thing I picked up in the lads was that when things seemed to go belly up in the Celtic boardroom, they ring one club and, and that one club they ring for all these loan signings or stuff like that is Manchester City. Do do the Celtic board kind of lean a lot on, on Manchester City, given what the, the lads are saying? Mike? I can't get Mike. Mike, you there? Sorry, it was my bike was switched off. It's not the best at trying to do two things at once, typing and speaking. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was saying, I'm getting sick of Celtic loaning the team. Mm-hmm. You need to start getting players in that are on contracts. And I mean, it's all right, you're maybe getting one, one, one on loan. Maybe help the club out in that, but the fact that our two main fullbacks last season were on loans. I mean, look at the standard they play. Look at the standard they play. We've had on loan over the last couple of years compared to guys like Craig Bellamy, Robbie Keane. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Players who come in ah, and want to make a difference, Mark. Yeah. And it's players that probably normally you couldn't you couldn't afford to bring in. I, I don't mind doing that kind of thing. As I say, Bellamy is a classic classic example. But not just buying mid mid middle of the road fullbacks, not buying loaning in middle of the road fullbacks are I mean realistically Laxalt was no better. I'd say it was worse than McDean. Taylor? Aye, than Taylor. Aye, I'd say Laxalt was worse than that. Because I probably for the season the way the season ended up we could probably have got away with Taylor and the young boy Montgomery's were left backs and never bothered with backside with Laxalt. Mm-hmm. Because, like Paris going back to the thing like that. If they if they want uh, big, I'm saying Bigans because I'm not going to try and pronounce his surname again for the I don't know how many times. I'm not going to say. It. I said on the forum it took. I I with my wife. Uh, we know each other 15 years. I've only get wrong to say her Polish name now. So by the time I get to say Bigans name, he'd be well gone out of Celtic. So <laughs> just but if he's trying to build a plan, he needs players in the wrong setting for two, three years and not leaving every season. You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and that, that's, and that, that goes for any manager. You know, any manager who's going to come in, it's, if, if, you've got, if you've got a plan in place and you've got a, a style, you need, like I say, you need the players that's going to fit that system, that's going to fit that style. Um, and, and like that, I mean, we've said it before, we've had far too many loan signings because and each year, when they go back to their clubs, we are back to square one. I think now's the time that we need to actually go and get players, you know, go and sign them, go and get permanent players in at the club. Because um, a lot of the times, you know, sometimes it's a risky, it's a risky thing to go down a loan route because some some players don't buy into you. You know, you know they're there just to get games. They're there because they're not getting a game with their club. Like Mark said, there, you know, they're not getting a game for their club, so their club don't deem them good enough. Uh, to, to play there so they think oh, well I'll go and get a game somewhere else and they don't necessarily buy in I mean we have had some fortunate loans over the years you know you talked about Man City you know Patrick Roberts 
you know, players that you know will have had some successful loans, but it's not something you should be flooding your squad with. Yeah, that's what we did this season. We flooded the squad. Like, did we flood it this season? Did we? That's it. And apart from potentially El Yunusi, they were all, you know, they all failed. You know, Latzel, Kenny, Duffy, they were big failures. El Yunusi, you could say, you know, he he was a success. He did bring something to the club. Uh, but you know, like that, they've now all gone back to our clubs. Plus, we're four first, potentially four starters down. You know, I know Duffy sort of fell out of it, uh, you know, halfway through the season, whenever it was. But you know, there's four starting out year eleven now. But now back at our clubs, and we have to replace that. Mm-hmm. I think the best thing about three counts coming in, like, is that he's going to open up a different market for us in Asia, Australia, all around that kind of hemisphere that he's going to open up a different market that Celtic haven't been in? The only worry about that is, like you say, is, is getting players settled. Mm-hmm. Is because it's not like they're just coming from in, like Spain, Italy and that. And a lot of people said, oh, well, Nakamura back in the day when he signed for Celtic, yeah, he came to Italy. Mm-hmm. He'd been in Europe for a wee while. That's always the worry for me with players like that. When you sign players from even like South America or like mm-hmm. Asia and stuff, it's always a worry for me. And like even when like that Arzani, and I understand like he got like a bad injury when he first came in and that, but like he was ranked one of the best youngsters in Europe at the time, and he never even really seemed to settle as well. And it's just a worry for me that market. Like it says, for every Nakamura, you could have a do we know what I mean? That, exactly. So that, that is, but then people can also say that about players and like what Barry says of Kevin this, but um. Like, I'm all for Kevin this bit coming in, but they'll need to get him signed now. Exactly. Because, uh, 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 everybody will know, like, if he goes to the Euros and Scotland's have a Euros, or even if Scotland didn't have a good Euros, but he still scores a few goals. Celtic, like you says, he'll be priced out and moved to Celtic. Like, uh, so if they want to get that move done. And he's probably, he's scored 80, how, how many goals he scored this season? He scored a fair amount. But if they're going to be replacing Edward with him, then no. But like, if Griffith ends up leaving or... A Yeti end up leaving then. It's a no-brainer to get Kevin this bit. How many could Big Ange play with? I mean, for all we know, mate. He's a four... It's, it, sometimes he switches between a 4-3-3 three, three or 3-4-3. Three, three. Mm. That's what he kind of kind of looks like. So more likely he's kind of going to be the, the one striker. I don't think he's going to be a long ball manager so I, I couldn't see how a big striker would kind of fit into his like I couldn't see Bayo coming back now and fitting into his his style of uh, of play. You know what I like about I think what I like about Bayo is what I liked about Portugal is I am I'm being brought up with wingers. And mm-hmm. I always believe that you kinda of have a good team out wingers. And Big Ann seems to be a big a guy that likes playing with wingers. So that's why I'm looking forward to getting a left and a right winger back wasn't wasn't Alex Ferguson uh, be called from Manchester now that you can't play football at Wiggers? Was it Alex Ferguson that said that about the time he was in so Manchester? Said that back in the day. Yeah, as well. That's just my opinion. I know football. But that, that was always there, but that was always Celtic's way of as well. Like what did we always had fast wingers, but this year that was one of our slowest parts of the game that we we had no one to pass the ball out to to the sides because there was no one there. Like, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Elliot as well. I know that he was getting played on the left hand side, but um, I'm just not sure if he is really an out and out winger. Oh, I've like, well, I think Elliot yeah. a number ten, kind of number, just gave him a free roll, but across the just behind the striker across that line. I don't. Barry will probably be 
Mario Balotelli as well, he played in that as well. Like, it's nothing better than playing up front and having two good wingers in your team for getting the ball into the box. You know what, and that's spot on. And that, you know, that's something that, that I've always noticed that we don't do. It's, it's we don't put enough crosses in the box. No. And that, that, you know, that's a defender. Three, three or four, four passes before, before we have to get the ball in the box, isn't it, Barry? Well, that's the thing. We always tend to come inside or we always try to play an extra pass. You know, for, for, for see a defender, see trying to defend crosses in the box, it's a worse nightmare for defenders. But for some reason, that's not a style of play. Certainly under Lennon, we didn't, even with James E. Forrest, you know, James E. Forrest has got pace to burn. But very rarely did you see him ever looking to you know, skin skin the full back and put a cross at the bottom. But I was thinking then to that end, or I, I was thinking of that. Was that all down to the players being so adapted to to Brendan Rodgers' style of play, the the keep the ball, keep possession, keep passing the ball, and maybe they actually couldn't get the players themselves couldn't get out of that style of play on the Lennon. The the teams always complained that we spent too much time in the ball. You know, was that all? Could that be down to? to Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Well, that's what Lennon said when he came in, didn't he? He didn't want to change the sort of Rogers philosophy. He didn't want to change the style of play. He was wanting to keep that going and maintain it. And the difference being, was, like, the personnel at the time, you still had Scott Sinclair in your team. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I don't know, I think Patrick Roberts was still there. Patrick Roberts was in your team as oh, well. We had the young fella, we had the young fella, what's his name, that he won the, the French League with uh, Lille this season. Uh, uh, Timothy Weir, yeah. 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 yeah, he came in on loan, didn't he? But the, the, and, and the thing was, under Rodgers, you know, he played with inverted wingers. Mm-hmm. He had a right footer on the left and a left footer on the right, and, and right away that kind of takes away your sort of getting to the byline, putting crosses in the box. So that kind of fell away from Celtic's game uh, under Roger. Now I'm not saying you know I'm not saying he should have done that, you know, because what he did was the players that he brought in were effective. You know, Scott Sinclair, the amount of goals he scored from cutting in on his right foot and, and scoring, you know, and the same with Patrick Roberts on the other side. You know, he they were effective, mm-hmm. but. You know, it looks like Poster Cogley's different. You know, I, I don't know if, if he plays with very or, or out and out wide men. If it is, then, then it's going to be a completely different brand of football because if he plays with pacey wingers, they're obviously going to look to, you know, beat the fullback and put crosses into the box. Uh, mm-hmm. Then, you know, that's a, it's a different. And you know what? That's so much more difficult to defend. You know, defenders hate having to deal with fast wingers. I, I'm not just talking about. Exactly. They, 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 they love. They, they love. Teams that play in front of them, Barry, don't they? They're, it's easier to defend when the team is just played in front of them, trying to go down the middle rather than having a crossing, you know? And that's, that's, that's exactly what happened last season. You mm-hmm. know? And, and, you know, it was evident when Edward played. We know Edward, you know, I think we all agreed that he, he just wasn't up to the task last year. But Edward's game is all about dropping into spaces, you know? And so any defender, you know, you can go back to the games against Rangers, you know, Golson and whoever his partner was, Hollander, whoever it may be, 
they, they would love the fact that everything's played in front of them. They would mm-hmm. love the fact that they know that no one's going to potentially run in behind them. That's how I was always sort of championing getting Griffiths in the side against them because Griffiths is the opposite. He wants to run in behind. He's always wanting to play on the shoulder and look for space in behind. And like, like was, everybody knows, defenders hate that. They can't start. So if you've got uh, Edward dropping into space and Griffiths looking to go through, they've then got a decision to make and it's a nightmare for them. But uh, yeah, you're absolutely right, Paul. Every, everything was played down the middle and in front and it made it very easy because teams will just compact, they'll just flood uh, you know the, the middle areas with players, and it then makes it p- impossible for, for, well, certainly last year for Celtic to break that down. They really, really struggled. Uh, one player that there was talk about yesterday that, that will be able to adapt to to beat Andrew Stoyfer and myself and Mark were kind of in a bit of a shock when the, the lads were speaking him was was Tom Roderick that he will be able to because he's played with him. He said he's staying at Celtic this uh, this summer to. Concentrating his fitness, bring his fitness levels up. Uh, Chris was saying yesterday that he will one who will who will step up uh, with with Big uh, Mike, what what's your thoughts on that? I think he's staying. He'll still be a bit far player mm-hmm. because his fitness has never been good. And how many seasons he's been selling now? Glad to say that as well for Australia that his fitness levels are are, are the same. He's never a change. He's just. A, like he's part of the court, but Australian and probably no good, really. Yeah. Like if he, like he'd he'd be one for me that I would move on. But maybe with uh, Postecoglou coming in and him being Australian, he might want to keep him because I'm not saying that he's not got quality. But what's the point of having a player like that that's just constantly injured or unfit? Because a few times that people like and people seen it herself when they seen him on the pitch and that. I mean, it was it was it seems like it was like he did this guy actually train or do any form of fitness. I mean, he mm-hmm. doesn't look overweight or that. He just looks mm-hmm. so lethargic, slow. Like he, uh, he just like he says he is a good player on his day. But what is that? Like maybe one good game and maybe ten, fifteen bad. Mm-hmm. That's not good enough for Celtic. He his role within the Australian team was that he was the one who who picked out the passes for the wingers and stuff like that. He was the one who kind of did take the game. But considering. How far the 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 time with Australia played in the 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 World Cup, uh, Barry? Like, does does he still have the feet to do that? You think? No, Roderick. You know what? I think Roderick. He, he's such a laid back player, isn't he? And mm-hmm. it, 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 it almost comes across like sometimes he's lazy, and, and there's times that he sort of dithers on the ball, took uh, too many touches. Um, you know, I, I don't know. I, I don't know with regards to, to where he would fit in in uh, Foster Coglu's system. But you know, if he does play a sort of four-three-three and it is like fast, expansive, and high pressing, I can't see where Rogic would fit into that mm-hmm. because he's he's not a guy that you know he doesn't seem to have a, a you know a great deal of pace in terms of you know a real charge you know to, to close down players or to burst away from, from players. He doesn't seem to have that for me. Technically, he is good. He's good on the ball, but like I said, sometimes he takes one or two uh, too many touches and he can get caught in possession a few times. But, you know, like I said, that's going to be down to Poster Coglu. If Poster Coglu thinks that, you know, Rogic has a future at the club and he's going to be uh, a part of his plans and he sees, you know, where he fits in the system going forward, then that's down to the manager. Mac, what was your take on the lads? 
yesterday when they spoke up, like, Roger, well, it was kind of mostly Chris that, that, that spoke up. I was surprised myself, Paul, when they said that, but mm-hmm. as Roger just said there, if, if Postacoglu thinks he's Roger to get something he can offer to the team, we've got to trust him, but... But do you think they, maybe Roderick knew something already that he said he came out there when we spoke, we spoke, we said in the last podcast that he was staying back in Glasgow. Do you think he maybe the Celtic board kind of leaned on him for advice about uh, Big Ange's for company? I don't think he would have asked Roderick about him or that, maybe. Nobody have known about it, like. Oh, well, it would have even been that as well, but because, I mean, let's face it, everybody... We were surprised when he didn't leave last year and we were even more surprised when he came out and said he was going to stay behind this summer and work on his fitness and be ready for a new season. Because mm-hmm. I'd have had him out the door. I'd have been one of the first ones I'd have been had on the... We had him on the list of players going, yeah. If he's willing to come in and knuckle down, I mean, he's not that old yet, isn't he? What age is Rogic? 28. Yeah, I mean, if he's going to come in... I lot of we say his fitness. I think it's a lot of his injuries not come through kind of his attitude mm-hmm. I'd be able to explain it a bit better see if you're, if you're not running about the park at that kind of intensity is it, you're pumped up enough kind of and you're going to have to me you pick up these stupid knocks and that a lot more if you're not running like having adrenaline really flowing through your body kind of thing but it, again it's it just it's so lethargic everything he does seems to be in slow motion it really is I put it his, I used to put it down to his attitude as well because even things he does that he makes a pure arsey, he just turns around with a big daft smile on his face. He never, he never seems to get to him that things haven't worked out right and things like that. He just seems that laid back. But if he's willing to screw the nut and really, really work, I mean, because his technical abilities, no doubt, it's always been his application and his fitness and he can't last 90 minutes. So it's up to Tom Rogic now. If he's willing to work on this, it's up to him. But he's in the last chance alone. He's got to be in the last chance alone at Celtic for this coming season. Brian, what's your take on all these injuries? I remember when 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 Sturridge was was with Liverpool. Klopp said that it was more of a mind game with his head that he was picking up these injuries. Uh, would that be the same with Roger? That it's in his head that he gets a small injury that's going to be a bigger injury. Or you, you know, I don't know if it's uh, in his head, but. You know what, it's, it's a proven fact, Paul, that players with sort of low fitness levels, they're the ones oh. that pick up the most injuries. So if, if he's not sort of focused on, on his fitness and mm-hmm. really sort of knocking his pan in to get, you know, whether that be in training or, you know, at pre-season. If he, and, you know, another example of it is Lee Griffiths. You know, mm-hmm. Lee Griffiths' fitness levels is well documented that they're not where they need to be. And he's picked up multiple uh, injuries. He knows I'm a big fan of Greg, but he's picked up calf injuries, muscle injuries, and that's really down to the fact that you're not training hard enough. You know, the ones that are, are at the lower end of their fitness levels are the ones in any team. Forget about Celtic, any team. The ones that are at the lower end of the fitness levels are the ones that continually pick up muscle injuries. What's um, your take you know, on? Sorry, by going finish what you were saying. No, no, I was just going to say, you know, if the intensity levels in your training and your actual performance. Uh, are at a low end like I said that's when you're likely to pick up your injuries and you know that could have you know the way that Mark's already said the way that uh, Rogic performs you know he's not one that you know that runs about the park he he looks very lethargic he looks very laid back for me if I was to have a guess I would say it's because of his uh, fitness levels that's why he picks up multiple injuries (laughs) 
I can just come in there, Paul. But Calm down, yeah. Barry, if you, you're going in for a 50-50 ball with somebody, a, somebody, a big, hairy-ass Scottish defender, if you're not going in there with your full intent of winning the ball, even then there's a good chance you're coming out of that in with a, a no mm-hmm. of some kind. Well, I mean, you need well, yeah, I mean, the intensity, as I said, even getting in a 50-50 ball, you need to get in there and make sure you win that, or there's always a chance. If you're holding back a bit, there's always a chance you're coming off that with a Syrian. It's, uh, and that's likely to happen, Mark. You know, uh, again, we, you know, we all know that you know if you're not prepared to commit to a, a tackle, you know, if you go in like you say against a big tough, you know, Scottish guy, whoever it may be, a big tough guy, a big hard man, you know, fourteen, fifteen stone that's going smashing into you. If you go smashing in with him, you're less likely to get injured than you are if you think, oh God, I didn't fancy this. I'm, I'm not going to commit to this or pull out of that. That's when you pick up your injury. If you commit, you're less likely to get injured. But, I mean, I've never seen Rockage go in any kind of yeah. whether it be full, full-hearted or, 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 you know, a minor tackle. I've never seen that, I've never seen that side to his game at all. Just going back to Walter, you mentioned there, who, whose fitness levels have came down and they're still uncertain over his contract, but he will be coming to, to pre-season training. Are, are Celtic maybe going to let maybe be Gange? See what way Griffiths is and make it, let him make the final decision, do you think, Barry, on Griffiths? Well, I certainly hope so, because that's the way it should be. You know, the manager's going to come in, we've got a player here that, OK, I mean, his contract's not expired, there is the potential to have an option there. It should be down to Postacoglu to decide. Mm-hmm. It should be. Uh, you know, another guy that completely divides opinion, even on our, uh, you know, on the forum, divides opinion. I, I've made it well known. I, I would be less likely to, to, to release somebody that scores the goals that Griffiths can. However, see if he was to come back uh, like he did last preseason, unfit, I, I, you know, I, 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 I could see uh, you know, no manager should have to accept that. You know, he's a professional footballer, has been now for probably ten, fifteen years. Lee Griffiths, so what is he, thirty one, something like that? There's mm. no excuse at all to come back unfit. You know, it's just it's lack of professionalism, it's you know, lack of respect for the football club. It's a great chance for Griffiths to reinforce his place like not just at Celtic, just really in Scottish football. He's got, there's a new manager coming in. It's a clean slate, so the manager will obviously know the problems he's had with his health and the problems and his fitness all last season. But if a manager comes in and Griffiths buys into this and Ange, Ange can get into Griffiths' head and get him in the right place, again, he's one of the best strikers in Scotland. Yeah, I don't I agree with you. As Mike said, I wouldn't think he's releasing him. Cause that, for me, that's a bad idea because he's going to come back and haunt you in a cup final. I just know that would happen. But Is it my like, Even be given like six months to go. You know what I mean? We'll, 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 we'll give you to January and we'll review the situation in January. If you've got, between the new manager coming in in January to get into his plans and work your way back into being a first team player. And it's like, just the same as it is for everybody else. Yeah. Costa Cog will come in here and he'll not care what people have done in the past. I mean, I can remember when Rogers came in and asked him about Lee Griffiths and he said he'd scored. 40 odd goals he scored the season before and Rogers said oh, didn't he score the one under me but and I said mm-hmm. that, that Griffiths wouldn't he be our number one striker but that was mm-hmm. to me that was a bit of a slap in the jaw to Griffiths the way Rogers backhanded the comment away but again it's a clean slate for everybody with the new manager so it's a good chance for Griffiths to finally get himself and his life and his career back on track if he wants to grab it 
Is it a good idea or so, Michael, that Griffiths was left out of the Scottish team to stay around the Celtic for pre-season, get a good pre-season behind him? Absolutely. The last thing Griffiths needs is going down for Scotland. Like, Scotland have went their own way now, just now, when they've got London Dykes and Nisbet and that. That's fine. Mm-hmm. But um, Griffiths is a must-keep. Well, yeah. I'll, okay, I'll, I'll say that a bit different. He's a must-keep, like you say, until pre-season. The fact that he says, you've got to remember as well, okay, so I'll have the option of the year. By this stage, Griffiths could have easily turned around and said, well, nah, I'm, I'm, I'm off to find somebody else. He's, he's staying to go he improve his fitness and the guy scored ninety nearly ninety goals in hundred and seventy games, nearly a goal every two mm-hmm. games. You can't just get you that like this is what we said earlier about Edward and Ayer, the difference in the money. Strikers mm-hmm. that are proven goal scorers cost big dough. And to replace Griffiths, it would cost God knows how much. Like you said, to get that guy back fit, like you said, he was last season the yeah, SAD problems, he was like you said, you let like down in the fans down badly. But since he, he came to Celtic in 2014 to score the goals that he has, the guy deserves and imagine, a pre-season to show. Imagine what his record would be if he'd been fit and in the right frame of mind to play with all journey times as well. He's just unbelievable. Like, he's, he's set pieces in that as well, Mark. Like, see, like he's three kicks and corners and that. It's just, like, I think he's a, like you say, I, I'm obviously a fan of the guy and I understand other fans saying it's time to move on and that, but but how short we are in the squad department as it is, and like, well, I'll be in the Yeti and that, that, he's just a waste today, he, mm-hmm. he'll be away. Like, Griffith, get him fit. That'll be like a new signing next season, if Celtic managed to get him in the frame of mind that he's been in in past seasons. See, see when you talk about Griffith and the length of time that he's been there, see when you actually look back on it, and, and you said that there, Mark, you know, think about how much he would actually score. I think Griffith has only been like a first-choice fighter for potentially two I remember when Ronnie Dyla That was under Ronnie Dyla When Ronnie Dyla first came in When he first came in I think we played A a European qualifier In terms of qualifier across in Scandinavia And Griffiths came on on the left wing He he didn't start I think it might have been Chief G Nadir Chief G that started And Griffiths was like playing in the left wing So He's never, apart from once he got 40 goals and maybe one other season, he's n- out of seven years, he's never been a regular starter. If he'd have been a regular number one and kept it, he'd probably be on over 200 goals for Celtic. And I just think, like, like I've said before, I just think you can't throw that away. You can't throw a guy that scores goals like he does away. And there has been, I know there's been talk as well about a potentially being a make-weight in the Nisbet deal, you know, so mm-hmm. they're in the Nisbet deal. For me, I, I wouldn't know, I'd rather have them both at the club. Is his age up against him to get those fitness levels back, Barry? Considering he'd be 31 now? No, but 31, so it's, it's not, that's not old in today's game. Mm-hmm. You know, p- players now, you know, in modern-day football, maybe maybe you couldn't use uh, Griffiths. Cavani. Game, but in modern, Cavani. In modern-day football... The players look after their bodies, they look after their diet, you know, they're really home and they realise that if they want to, you know, have a sort of prolonged career and a, 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 a good level, they need to look after their bodies and for, for the most part they all do. So for me, 31's not any kind of age to be writing somebody off at all. It's up to, to Griffiths himself to get himself right and look after his body and and prove to everyone he needs this, he deserves this contract extension, you know? The only person that can really sort it out, Paul, is Lee Griffiths. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. we're saying we hope Big Ange can come in and get him in the right path in that, but Griffiths needs to want to go on that path. Do you know what 
just the same. Mm. Anybody that's fought demons any kind will know what I'm talking about. You've got to want to do it for yourself. Kind of, do you know what I mean? It's got to be in your mm. You can't even get into these things and say, oh, well, I need to do this because if I, if I move to Hibs, I'm losing four grand a week wages. That's not a, a good enough reason. You've got to want to do it for deep down in yourself to change your lifestyle. And 31 no age for anybody to change your lifestyle. If I could, mm-hmm. if I could have changed mine for what I was like when I was younger to know Lee Griffiths. When you when you were at the Open Team Championships in '67, when you could have changed your lifestyle around then. Hell yeah, it's never too late to change your lifestyle, and it's certainly mm-hmm. still plenty of time for Lee Griffiths to come back and get up to a peak physical level without without actually. All he needs to do is apply yourself. It won't mm-hmm. need to take any kind of great kind of. Do you know what I mean? You'll need to be months of this hard training to get back up here. Just get in and get a good pre-season training. And Barry will tell you, if you get in there at pre-season, work as hard as you can and you will be fit. I think what I like about Griffiths as well is how many strikers have got the package like him as well? The three kicks. Well, all forms of set pieces. He's good in the air. And how many... Like He's faced like 30 years and he's dangerous. Eh? I think that's what I like about him. He's got everything as a striker. He's good at everything. Oh, yeah. And that's why like, it's important to keep the guy. See, like what you're saying there, when he gets the ball 25, 30 yards out, even the defenders, it's like Ryan Christie, the defenders know he's shooting. Whereas it's, if it's Griffiths, the defenders don't know, is he going to shoot here? Is he going to try and take me on? Is he going to go for a pass here? It's unpredictable. He's an unpredictable player. The only thing that's different is is when Christie shoots the defence bottom. Because nine times out of ten, it's going over the stand. That's what he's doing, but no, what I mean, where he's Griffiths, yeah. he's, that, he's got that kind of unpredictability about him when he's, when he's playing. Very especially as well, like, the, with the, among the leaders, like I say leaders, uh, it's Scott Brown leaving, Oyer leaving, Edward. you need to kind of keep Griffiths around the team to to have that bit of passion from, from from the players to actually, when the new players come in, lean off someone who's actually been at the club for a long time, you know? Well, he has, and I mean, he's got the experience, you know, seven mm-hmm. years at the club, you know, he's got the experience, and you know what, he's one of the most naturally gifted and goal scorers that exactly. we've had in a long time, you know, but maybe Gary Hooper was similar uh, in terms of his sort of instinctive goal, but you know, Griffiths, like Mikey says, he's got so much to his game. He's so, he's very instinctive. He knows what positions to take up. He'll drop into his pockets of space and all he needs is half a yard and he's getting a shot away. And I would say eight, nine times out of ten, he's getting that shot on target. You know, he, we've waxed lyrical about the guy, but for me, you just wouldn't, for me, I wouldn't release him. I would get him, uh, I'd be happy to keep him. because. But like Mark says, you know, it's a great opportunity for him because I think... You know, Rogers was aware of his issues. Lennon was aware of his issues, and as a result, he was kind of starting off on a, a sort of negative foot. Yeah, exactly. Poster Coglu's coming in like it's a clean slate for him. So if, if, if Griffiths is up for the task, I'm sure Poster Coglu will give him an opportunity. Would he? Would Would he accept Mark a, a pay as you play deal, Griffiths? No, I don't think so. I don't. I don't even think that would be that's like a possibility, Paul. I think it's either this. Mm-hmm. This year's extension, he leaves for a free. No, the reason I'm saying it is because 
it's up on the live chat there that appears who paid deal for Griffiths. Like I was just saying, like, would he, would he accept that? One player that the lads on the live chat is saying that they'd like to see back and he's in his last year of his contract as well. Uh, and he would actually suit the side of play of Big Ange is, is Patrick Roberts. Should we maybe go look at him again? Or has he really kind of performed too poorly now that he left Celtic? He's not really done much for left Celtic. And, you know, it's been a, mm-hmm. it's been a bit of a shame because I really liked him. I thought he was a great player for us, although the second time he was a bit in and out, uh, hot and cold and that. But it's, it just seems to be another one of the young players that, had all the potential, but he's never actually going to realise. I think he had too many chances, though, when when Celtic asked him to come up, and he didn't come up. Do you know he he's another for me? He's another Fraser Foster. He had his chance to come up. But even at that, Celtic fans, not just Celtic fans, off fans are they, they they all like they always seem to want people coming back. It seems that just the football fans in general. I think it's more like a comfort blanket. It's something that, uh-huh. do you get what I mean? I mean, I can mean when Charlie Nicholas came back to Celtic and that, and I mean, Charlie Nicholas was one of my first Celtic heroes when I was a wee, a wee boy. Uh, but I knew when he came back, if when he came back to Celtic, it wasn't going to be like that again, do you know what I mean? And, but Celtic uh-huh. fans and the fans always will all get him back, Wilfred Foster there, Paddy Roberts, and there's other ones that people just keep constant. Every transfer window, they'll be posting on the forum saying that this one should come back, that one should come back. But I'd rather be looked forward than find, find new players. Yeah, that, that's the one thing, Barry, that uh, I've been seeing over the last couple of weeks in, in the media and when I'm doing the transfers, and, and I hate mentioning it, just so I kind of keep them out, is we seem to be constantly linked to all transfer targets. Do you know what I mean? Like, uh, James McCarthy, Paddy Roberts, all chance targets are there. As Mark said, like I want to see kind of different players coming in, players who we haven't seen and come maybe new heroes for Celtic. You know, it's it's, it's a difficult because again, that that's the sort of media playing the game, isn't it? You know, mm-hmm. when you've got somebody like James McCarthy, who Celtic have been linked with for years, you know, from his time at Everton to his, you know, every club. When he's coming to the end of his contract and Celtic are going through a rebuilding stage, the natural thing to do for the media is to say, well, you know, Celtic are, are interested. I'm not saying they're not interested, but for me, it, it's still, I'm still a wee bit puzzled. I'm still a wee bit confused as to who Celtic's targets are and who's drawn them up. That's different because we don't know because yeah. all the talk has been on Big Ange. We don't even know if they're going to be director of football involved. And that's the thing, and, and see when I see a transfer rumour, I don't, you know, and, and years gone by, if I'd seen a transfer rumour, I potentially could have got a bit excited about certain ones, I could have thought ones I wouldn't really fancy, but any name that comes up, I'm kind of thinking, well, I don't really know if I believe it, because I don't know where, you know, who's working for Celtic just now in terms of identifying players. You know, you know his poster Cogley, you know, he's not even in the door yet. You yeah. Know, I, I, you know, he's actually working. He's still got uh, a job in Yokohama to do, so I very much doubt that you know he's focusing on on uh, players that he's looking to bring. But are, have Celtic, you know, have they got somebody working for them? They might very well have somebody working for them, drawn up a list of targets because they're aware that there are certain positions that they need to cover. But it's, it's difficult for me to actually get excited about any transfer rumour just now because mm-hmm. I'm not convinced that any of them. Are. I think the latest one I seen tonight, Andre Ayew. Yeah, Andre, I, I did even, I saw, and you know what, 
I think they want to mention it because he, he's a free transfer and he's thinking and automatically, you know, as you said there, the media jumped on that again, like Celtic or, you know, and I didn't want to mention that, like, because again, it's it's just the media again jumping on things that, it's, there's no link to it there, there's no major Celtic making any approach for him or anything like that, do you know what I mean? Basically, they, not, not that, see the stories basically to me, they're just like what we talk about, basically mm. looking at players that, could be available and maybe Celtic could look at. But they're depressing that turn them into these stories and then people start believing it. I mean, there's nothing wrong with people on the forum coming on and suggesting players and we sit here and talk about players potentially that we could say that. There's nothing wrong with that, but we're not on there saying that Celtic are interested in them. We're just saying, we've, we've looked this up and Celtic should look at them kind of idea as a total. The best thing I look about is that Celtic and Rangers are linked to this player, and Celtic have been never ever linked to that player. And then Rangers sign him. That Rangers have top Celtic to this player, when we've never been linked to him in the first place. And that happened then for good some years. I can remember that for years, for years. Like um, Mark, one thing I, I I was speaking to the lads yesterday, and I, and I was thinking of what they were saying. I was thinking of all last night, and how would I put it? Is that they were saying that when the Eddie Howe, Eddie Howe fell through that Celtic didn't know what to do. They, they were in the panic stage and they rang who they always rang, Manchester City. They gave him the name of this fella because he's part of the City group. Big Ange, they gave him his name. So that's what I'm thinking. Is there no direct room football involved in Celtic at the moment? And are we going to have a direct room football or is that enough for Celtic maybe to lean on Manchester City for transfer targets through their youth system or will Big Ange play on the, the ownership of the Manchester City for, for, for players' transfers? Oh, well, I think any manager coming into Celtic is going to, going to look at Manchester City youth team in that because of the relationship between the two clubs. But going even on the past success, it would be silly not to, do you know what I mean, Paul? It would be crazy not to look at that when you know that you've got an in to them, either through the club plus through his own connection with the City Football Group. So I don't see why there would be... No, that's, that's not the thing I'm kind of putting it out there. As, like, the, the reason I'm saying is that all this talk about a director of football, like, I don't think we're going to have a director of football announced. I still think we will. I, honestly, I do. I think they've got to do it. They've got to have somebody coming in to do that position. Because there, there's no way in the world that Dominic Mackay is going to be comfortable dealing with them. There with Gavin saying, Gavin thought I could do what I've been saying for years. Peter Lowell was working as an under a football at Celtic. And mm-hmm. So I'm expecting Dominic Mackay to carry that on. That'll be a complete and utter disaster. You think the fellow that I named out to you again in the last podcast, uh, the fellow McGuinness? Would be could it be potentially twist from Columbus crew in in MSA? His name seems to have popped up again. You sent me that the other day. I, I get mixed up the last time we spoke about him. That him that was at Celtic, didn't I? The GA. Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's, it's all up there and it's speculation. There for a many podcasts we sit here and think Eddie Howe was working behind the scenes, and then we thought, oh, Fergal Harkin must be behind the scenes pulling the strings and that. But I definitely they've got to bring somebody in that's going to run the football department. Michael, what's your take on the 
was saying that the lack of movement I, I put it on, on the director of football one. You know, do do we know anything that it was going to be director of football or is it going to be the same way as the scouts and uh, the the serious side in players? What I'm worried about the director of football, how long it's taken is taken, should I say, is um, I mean, if Celtic have actually said that they're going to get a director of football. Not that I can remember, Mark. Have they actually come out and said this? I don't think they've actually come out and said it, but uh, apparently they um, hired one of the these big business recruitment agencies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like a big... If he, looking for... See, they, sorry there, Mark. They cut, came up there... The, sorry, Mark. It just came up the live chat there from Henry Cosgrove. The way, the way it's dragging on is taking so long it's going to be called Director of Fair Arts. <laughs> <laughs> well, what I will say is every top club in Europe has got to work for a director of football. And mm-hmm. they did come in and talk about modernising the club and that's what we need to modernise if we're going to be with the times as Michael said there every modern club now practically has a, a director of football just need to manage the manager to manage the coaches to coach and yeah that's, what, that's the problem with Celtic in the past there's too many cooks just leave get guys in to do their jobs and leave them to do it <laughs> that sounds simple but it doesn't seem to happen at Celtic Barry what's your take on all this this lack of movement, I would call it, of, of director of football, you know? It, it's a bit worrying for me. I, I wish I had Mark's confidence that there is going to be one, because for me, there's no doubt about it whatsoever. Celtic need a director of football. You know, Brendan Rodgers said himself, Celt, the size of the club that Celtic are, they need a director of football at the club. So, I, you know, going back four or five months, we kind of thought that, you know, Dominic Mackay, you know, it was announced as, as coming in to replace Peter Law. I think the consensus was it was then going to be a director of football followed by a manager. Well, unfortunately, you know, we don't have anybody. And since uh, Fergal Harkin has announced that, you know, he won't be coming or a Celtic announced that they've not offered him the job, mm-hmm. there's not really been any names linked. And I think maybe... Because, well, we spoke before, you know, the director of football is potentially a bigger job than what Postacoglu is coming in to do. Exactly. Director of foot- but not only do we not have a director of football, we don't have a head of recruitment either. Nicky Hammond's gone. Yeah. So, you know, there's somebody has to come in and do something, whether it be two separate, you know, whether it be director of football and a head of recruitment, you know, like we thought potentially Harkin and uh, Richard, Richard Hughes was going to be, you know, but, you know, we need something in there because right now we don't have a director of football or a, or a head of recruitment. No. Uh, so, for, for me, you definitely need somebody in that role. Do you think because he was linked to the war before and he, he hasn't been, he hasn't left the club yet and, and Rogers wanted him for the position. Do you think John Kennedy was being recommended for that? I'm just saying this. Oh. It's, going to come, it's going to come up, right? You know, because there has to be a role for John Kennedy within the club if he hasn't left yet. Oh, you're, That's trying, what I'm saying to turn this podcast sour. I'm not. No, I'm not. But, <laughs> but, 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 that's the way it comes across now. Like this guy is like he's always going to be here. Like yeah, Eflon, Eflon. But that's what I'm saying. Like because he hasn't left. 
I'd give John Kennedy a job as Hoopy. That's, he could do Hoopy the Huddle Hound. That would do for me. What do you see the worry that I have? Like that he hasn't left the club yet. Do you know what I mean? Like I don't want him nowhere near the source team or the director. But I think the club still have a role for John Kennedy considering he hasn't left yet. I've said that. You know, Paul, as long as John Kennedy's got a job at Celtic, I think. He stayed there. I think, uh huh. That's what it starts starting to look like to me. I've stayed that so, times. He's a we're moving on from all that. Right. <laughs> so we brought him up. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I just brought him up because he's clearly going to be there next season. But you, you, you know what? It could be that the Celtic aren't quite wanting to let him go yet because they don't have anybody in place. And it could be like you say, there need a, there needs to be a body there to take pre-season on day one, and, and it could be him. So it could be that like Kendi might want to go. We don't know. Yeah. So might want to, we might want to say this, the, the club might say it's time for you to go or, or, or stay but right now it's potentially not a great time for him to move on right now because we actually don't have a manager in place at the minute it's just worrying like, because it took us so long to get the, the manager situation sorted which still actually isn't sorted like, and if, if we're going to get a director of football in I don't think that's going to happen this season, maybe next season, but the way things are, well, I just can't see it, Barry, a director of football company. You know, you know what, I kind of share your worry, to be honest with mm-hmm. you, because the director, like, like I just said, the director is a massive job, and a director of football, you know, he needs to be right. Neil Lennon left, you know, could have been identifying targets. Like, they, they oversee the recruitment, they oversee the, the youth development, you know, everything, you know, the manager's side of it, that they help to recruit managers at times. But, you know, we don't have that there. And like I said, the season's almost upon us. Mm-hmm. And we don't have anybody in place. Now, if we appointed somebody tomorrow, you know, like we just said with uh, Posta Coglu, you know, he's coming in with very little time to prepare for the start of the season. If you point a director of football uh, tomorrow, you know, with the job that they have in hand, that's even less time because they've got so much more to do. So I am a bit concerned. I must admit that there's nobody in place. There's not even any. Oh, we need. There is, and there hasn't been no announcement. We don't know. If that's the case, I'm hoping. This is a familiar phrase. I'm hoping that somebody's working away in the background. Mm -hmm. Uh, You know, I've said that plenty of times in the past sort of month or two. But, uh, you know, it's a wee bit worrying for me that there's nobody being appointed as of yet. And like I say, it's not a case of, you know, Harkin's not coming, but so-and-so else, somebody else. And there's no really names either. But Celtic always play their cards close to their chest. So it might very well be that they'll have somebody lined up. But we're leaving it very, very late in the day to appoint somebody if it is the case. Anything to add to that, Mark, before I go over on? No, no, I'm fine, Paul. So we're going to, Mike, you all right with everything there? Yeah, I would rather just move on. <laughs> so former Celtic manager Lee Lennon has come out Glenn's plays and insisted the club has a new breed of supporters and that he has none, nothing in common with them he stated that after the Ross County defeat in the League Cup last season where players were involved abused attacked by supporters and that the first team was very obsessed considering how the success of this team in recent seasons Barry, is he right here saying we have a new breed of supporters within Celtic that don't recognise they haven't been around for the 90s, uh, the, the, the bad times of Celtic, and they've only witnessed uh, the 10 in a row seasons? Yeah, I mean, he is, he is right. There's no doubt about it. That, you know, there's a, there's a general... You there? They've won quadruple trebles, they've won cups, they've done, you know, 
decent amount of things in Europe. You know, we've had a couple of decent European runs. However, <laughs> I don't think uh, 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 I don't agree with Lennon's statement. You know, he, he was looking to blame everybody but himself. Now, himself. I've been on this podcast. Yeah, I mean, I've been on this podcast. You know, many times praising Neil Lennon. You know, I am a Neil Lennon fan. I think if he'd have started off his statement by saying, listen, I realise that, you know, I got it wrong on a number of calls last season. However, you know, because I certainly don't justify, you know, because he went on yesterday about missiles being thrown at players, you know, after that Ross County game. And certainly don't condone any of that. I really don't, you know. But however, you know, the reason was a multitude of poor results, poor performances, lack of effort. There was a big combination of what was happening on the park. And that was down to Neil Lennon and the players. Mm-hmm. You know, so I certainly don't condone uh, any sort of the, you know, throwing barriers, throwing missiles at players and buses and cars and that. that that's, there's no place in football for me. But I was a bit disappointed in Lennon's statement because he seemed to really try and deflect the blame away from, him, from himself. Where for me, you know, the, the man that Neil Lennon is, I would have liked to say, listen, you know, I got it wrong on a number of occasions last year. The players got it wrong. We're sorry that it worked out the way it does. However, you know, you know the players were really affected by, you know, uh, protests and missiles being thrown, but like I say, when I read the statement, I thought you've really, you've really deflected it away from yourself here, Neil. Michael, what's your take on Neil Lennon's comments about the, the new breed of supporters? He's just against. I mean, Neil Lennon, like I always like the guy and everything he did, like on and off the field now. But like I say, he's a bad He's pushing it with a lot of supporters with some of the comments he's saying. Like, yeah, like, mm-hmm. I think he'll do anything deflect. Anything away from his performance, mm-hmm. I guess. But I, I don't agree with some of the protests and like people like hurling missiles and, that, and buses and that. That's different. But he, he did not like find like voicing their opinion in any way. And if he was doing his job properly and stuff, then like I mean, and I've said in the past, it's not about the way Celtic of. Um, about yourself with a quadruple treble now that'll never be seen again unbelievable by the club mm. it was about the last season about, about the way it happened it wasn't like it was by two or three points or whatever and it was the total collapse from the, the start of the season right to the end that the fans were venting about it wasn't just because of no one a cup and they're just used to winning that thing that, that wasn't what it was about he was just mm. trying to deflect what he's been doing for months Oh, I, I think don't think his actual wordage was very nice for the one of a better description, like a, a new breed of Celtic supporters. I wouldn't have said that, but in a way, I can see where he was coming from because there is a lot of younger guys than us that have only known Celtic to really be winning there. The other night, we were talking about Tommy Burns, and I, I can remember Miriam beat as a manager than a player, so. These guys that were like, what, 12, 13 and just starting to understand football, all they've known, they're 23, 24 now, all they've known Celtic dominating. So you can see what we've been through, why the fans were upset, and there is a kind of new, kind of modern version of Celtic supporter, I suppose, because, I mean, let's face it, we're off what they call Celtic does, aren't we? We're off, mm-hmm. really. But again, it was just deflected, nothing was Neil Lennon's fault. So that, was, that was just basically the gist of it, and should have just kept. Should have not made it. There was nothing. Yeah, my take on that. I added nothing. I added nothing to it. He never, he never told us these problems that he was hinting about all season. He never 
came out and said what they were. He never told he never told us anything that we didn't know apart from have a pop at the fans. That was basically done in that. I talk on this this new breed that that he's saying is is like like these supporters would have found out about Celtic through their their fathers or their mothers who actually loved the club and they would have known about the club's history as well. So this new breed he's gone on about like these would have learned about the history of Celtic anyway from their 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 parents, Barry. Do you know what I mean? You know. So say that again, sorry for. I said like these these new breed of supporters that he said like these. They would have known about Celtic through their parents and their love for the club through their parents and they would have known about the club's history. Just because they didn't witness this doesn't mean they didn't they didn't know about it. Like I can't yeah, do no, the same, don't Yeah, I know I know what you're saying, however, like, you know, I I guess unless you've lived through something and you know, mm-hmm. actually felt felt the emotions of something. Well you know, we've all heard about, you know, uh Celtic winning the European Cup. Only, only Mark can tell us how it felt that day. He was the only. <laughs> but you know, I'll do it on the side. You know, I would, have, you know, I never felt that emotion. But I've spoken to guys who have. You know, I've spoken to guys who who, who were. I actually know one guy who was at the game. You know, and, and he speaks about it. But I, you know, I never felt that. And I guess you're absolutely right, Paul. You know, through you know their parents, grandparents, they, they'll be able to tell about times and of certain players that played and how they saw. However, you know, like I say, your younger gen, and I'm talking about your really younger generation. You know, your your late mm. teenagers, your early twenties, all they've lived through is success. You know, they've they've been used to trophy after trophy, um, you know, league win after league win, dominating against Rangers, uh, etc. And now this season, uh, which went the way it went, and like Michael said, it's not just a case of we were pipped at the final post, because I'll bet you, I bet you any Celtic fan would have not accepted it, but, uh, you know, well, maybe you would have accepted it, you know, if we Come to terms with my point on, like on the last day, we went toe-to-toe, and things just didn't quite go our way or whatever it may be. You, you just take them on the chin. We've had to do it in the past. We'll have to do it again. You take them on the chin and you say, move on. You know, you gave up a gallant effort. It was a good fight to end. But like Michael said there, it was just incident after incident, you know, from the start of the season. I remember growing you know, up like, and, um, watching the, the helicopter Sundays. Like, you know what I mean? You know, like they were, they were nervous times that these fans didn't, 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 uh, haven't been long to see. Yeah, they've, uh, you know what, and we've had it both ways, haven't we? You know, mm-hmm. we've, 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 we've lived through the pain of Helicopter Sunday, you know, the, the, when we were at Fur Park and they were Easter Road. And then we had it the other way, you know, when, at Tanadice a few years later mm-hmm. when uh, Benagura Hesselin School, we won on the fifth. And, you know, the, the, the feelings and emotions are incredible. You know, they're mm-hmm. absolutely brilliant. But like I say, for, for the last nine years, ten years, we've been dominant in, in every every spectacle of the game, you know, I like to say, winning title after title, you know, quadruple trebles, like you say, I'll never be paralleled, I'll never be matched, but these, some of these younger guys, you know, I'm not, listen, I'm not dissing them, I'm just trying to explain my view on it, mm-hmm. you know, they've not, they've not experienced this, and they've not handled it well, they've not accepted it well, and, uh, and, and that was, I mean, listen, it wasn't just younger guys, there was other people there, that, you know, that's what I'm saying, there was also, yeah, there was, there was, like, it wasn't just, as you speak about as well, it's all on social media. That's, I mean, the times, imagine what social media would have been like when Rangers were going for, for 10 and uh-huh. Do you know what I mean? Times like that. It's a different, again, back to the Celtic dad stuff, it's a different world now. Do you get what I mean? Oh, uh, you know what? And, and te- and, yeah, and technology... These young folks, they've all got a sense 
entitlement. They're allowed to say what they want to say with any repercussions kind of thing or you're against this, that or the other kind of thing. It's a total world that people... It's just like Mark said, like the, the modern days football and that's the way the modern days football is and that Needland and Celtic haven't evolved into modern day football. Do you know what I mean? They don't recognise these modern day fans and the way they they do things now through social media and stuff like that, you know? Oh, well, Neil, but, but Neil, Neil Lennon knows. Did he not get kicked off his Twitter? It's like Mark says, so, you know, like, see, if you go back, you know, I don't know, 10, 15 years ago, your only sort of access to, to any sort of story or was, was one sort of newspaper, or, or, or sorry, you know, one newspaper a day, you know, multiple newspapers. That was your own. See, now, you can check your phone every five minutes. Oh, yeah. like, uh, I think it was Gavin said yesterday, and I'm sure 90% of Celtic fans have said, you wake up in the morning, right? I say yeah. on my phone, I go on to Celtic News now, there's been umpteen stories between me going to my bed uh, and me waking up in the morning. And you check it every, you can check this, this system every 10, 15 minutes, there's a new story. You know, and, and that that wasn't available back then. You got one sort of, you got a newspaper that you were able to, you know, thing of once a day, and it might be had an article or two about your football club. That's all exactly. You know, that's all I remember. I remember growing up like um, like we didn't have Sky Sports back then, and we used to have to tune in on BBC One Scotland on the on, on the audio on the television. And I used to be over here and go and listen to the matches on then. Like you know, do you know that? Different times now, like isn't this? I remember back in the day when I used to go on teletext. And that's yeah, right, but... in the green lighting, in the green lighting, yeah, the teletext. So another statement that came out by Lee Lennon is that uh, he wasn't able to bring in his own backroom staff, and that it was a major downfall in in his defence of Celtic that he didn't have a shoulder he knew to hold on to. Lennon wanted to bring in his own backroom staff with Parker coming, which the board dismissed. When, when when he was approached, we we spoke about this before. Is this was that a major issue that Lennon wasn't left behind his own bathroom staff, Barry? And um, you know what, I, I'm probably probably intend to agree. Well, I mean, it was very different from his first spell at the club. You know, when he first got appointed, like I said, his first spell, he brought in Johan Mialbes. Thompson. He brought in Gary Parker. He brought in Alan Thompson. You know, this time round, he wasn't given that opportunity for whatever reason. I don't know why, but he wasn't given that opportunity. And uh, I listened to, I think the guys might have touched on it yesterday. I listened to a podcast, it was actually a Celtic Middle podcast, um, and Tommy Johnson was on it, and he says Neilan approached him to come to the club. Mm-hmm. I think yeah. I think it was in a scouting capacity, and he was refused that as well. So, in some ways, I guess he was sort of restricted. What, what sort of part that played, I don't know. How that impacted his plans going forward, I don't know. But I don't think there's any doubt that he wasn't given. You know, I'm not. I don't want to say he wasn't given the support, but certainly he wasn't given the support in terms of. The people that he wanted at the club, the people that he wanted to lead on. You need your own men around you too, Barry Dodger, the manager, don't you? Well, every manager does, don't they? Every manager, well, potentially, you know, they get to pick their backroom staff and it's always what what suits them. You know, they've got a working style and if they work well with somebody and they bounce off each other or, or somebody that even can, you know, you get relationships with managers and assistants that, you know, sometimes 
a manager will have one opinion, this isn't another, and the manager actually thinks, actually, you know what, you, you, you're 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 better than what mine does. He got that, you know, he, he got he got John John Kennedy, and I I don't know if this is right, but I was led to believe, you know, John Kennedy suggested Strachan. I'm sure they did their badges together. Now we're going to talk about that because uh, just after that, when David Doff left, Celtic went away and appointed Gavin Strachan, and the quote from Neil at the time was, "We're delighted to bring Gavin to Celtic." as the club have been tracking him for a long time and were delighted with his appointment. I don't think Lennon had anything to do with that appointment. I think that was more Kennedy as doing, doing, doing his badges with him, do you think? The only thing I'll say about, um, sorry, about um, uh, Lennon and the backroom staff and he wasn't happy. But if, that, if he wasn't happy, then how do you take the job? That's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's what the next week is. Why so he agreed to the circumstances, so he just went to anybody. Like he could have turned around and said, well, well, if you can't get me my backroom stuff, then okay, I'm just going to need to move on. But Fine. Chris made a good point just in that, right? That Lennon knew it was going to be his last time ever uh, joining Celtic as manager. It'd be his last time. And he said, doesn't matter, I'm going to take the job anyway. And that was a good point by Chris. I think that's what Lennon did. I definitely think that. I think Lennon just accepted the job and then... After, he probably didn't even put my saying why accept the job if you're not being allowed to do certain things your own way. I think he took the job and then after that his commute he's not getting his own way and he's been using that as an excuse. Well, but mm-hmm. me, he's only got himself to blame for that. Do you think he's any involvement or in Strachan's appointment or was that done without his uh, agreement, just say, acceptance? I, I, yeah, I, I, see, that's a hard one. I see, I've never seen, uh, I was going to call him Gordon, Gavin Stratton is a, 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 an out-and-out coach. I think mm-hmm. there's data analysis. Yes, analysis. So I don't know why, I don't know why he was brought in the, the capacity that we think he was brought in and he, he replaced Duff, who was just, who was a coach. Why replace a coach who had what I thought was a data analysis? So I don't know about that, but up, I mean, I've said that he's meant to be good at what he does, but I suppose even John Kennedy, maybe even Gordon Strangs. Well, you know what was winning yesterday? That the lads from Australia and, and Gavlin in Sweden, even they know so much time he spent on the laptop, and even they called him laptop striking. <laughs> you know? That's what he, that is what he does. He's, he's a brass, I don't know what they're actually really called. They brass things that the players wear. With the electronic stuff in them. He sits and reads all that data as the game's going on, and this is meant to, so he can tell we, what's working on the park, what's known, things like that. So he is, mm-hmm. basically, that's what he needs to do, sit and analyse this data that's coming in, and then pass it on to the manager. Do you think, I, I think Neil Lennon knew what he was talking about? That's, that's what I was just about to ask you. I don't think, like, because I, I don't think Lennon's a modern-day football. He's still stuck in the Martin O'Neill era of football, like the same as Jose Marino's, he plays the all-style fashion football. I don't think Lennon was interested in any of that stuff that Gavin Strack was being to the table, Barry. You, you know, I, I've got my own sort of theory on it. I've got, and it might be right or wrong, I, I don't know. I've not been given any information, but my theory was, when we were led to believe that it was... John Kennedy that brought Strachan in. My theory was that John Kennedy was going to be the higher to the throne, and he, he was going to be taking over the mantle from Neil Lennon. That, uh-huh. that, that was my because I thought if, if that is the case, and you're allowing sort of John Kennedy to 
not dictate, but to, to, to suggest, look, I think we should bring that, this guy in the coaching staff. I honestly thought that, you know, if Celtic had gone and got the 10 in a row, that Neil Lennon would have potentially moved on and John Kennedy would have been in. And this was him starting to build his own backroom staff. That, again, that, that's just my own theory uh, on it. But I, I don't. I personally don't believe that Neil Lennon was involved in that. No. I don't believe that we trapped this guy for, for, for much. You know, was he prestigious? I don't know. Before before Celtic were lit, I mean, for, uh, for Clough, yeah, he was involved with Clough at the time. Yeah, Brian Clough. No, it was Peterborough. Peterborough. Peterborough with Clough, wasn't it? Brian Clough, wasn't it? No, no, Darren uh, Trapp. No, Brian Clough. No, his son, what's his son's name? It's uh, Darren Ferguson, wasn't it? Darren, Darren Fox, yeah. Sorry, Alex Fox, sorry, yeah. Darren Fox. Yeah. Yeah. Peterborough, a well-run club. I mean, no, that's just that to- even Tony came in. They've already replaced him. Jesus, the guys that replaced Tony, he's been banging in the goals as well this season. So Peterborough are a well-run club for their size. And as again, what was it? What was Stratton's role down there? That's what back to what he's actually doing. So there's a guy, I, there's a guy Clark Carrister brought in that scored thirty odd goals, and he's waiting to go for big money as well. Okay. So just going by by what Lee Lennon said that he wasn't left in in Herity's back. Now, it's vital that he can't just left begin his own backroom staff. Variant. It's vital that Celtic let him begin the backroom staff he wants that he trusts and he knows. Yeah, I mean, uh, for for me, yeah, that goes for any manager that's appointed. So I'm always a big believer that you should let them put together their team because they're they're there on merit. You know, you've you've identified that this is the guy that you want as the manager, and sometimes you know managers work well because of their backroom staff and their first team coaches. You know, Brendan Rodgers got to pick multiple uh-huh. people within his team. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's no doubt about it for me. You know, not only that, Postecoglou, he's coming into another culture. You know, he's moved from Australia to Japan. He's coming into a European culture now. So for me, it's important that he's comfortable. And you know, if, he, if that means surrounding him with the people that he trusts and the coaches that he's worked with before, absolutely, give him the go ahead to get these guys in. Not a problem. But what state do you allow that to happen? I mean, as I said, no, I, I think I told you yeah, a manager should be at least allowed to pick his main assistant. But see, maybe as the circle spreads out, the ripple effect kind of thing. To me, a lot of them should it should be under the, like, the director of football's role at a point. To get what I'm, I don't think the manager, the manager or head coach, should be worrying about who's running the sports science side of things. That should be up to the Oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, absolutely. No, for, for me, I, I would. I, I think it comes as a three for me. Uh, just my opinion. I think a manager... Manager, assistant, and fourth team. Yeah. But like, like I said, and I'm not uh, suggesting John Kennedy should be part of it, but there's not a problem having somebody else in there, you know, as part of your... Co- I mean, you're not restricted to just... You could have, like, two or three coaches. You know, most a lot of teams do. Uh, I think Brendan Rodgers had a good few people within his... Yeah, sort, uh, Tory, for me, if Posta Cogley, if he's coming in and he wants an assistant and a coach, I would grant him that. Uh, but like I said, there's no problem like uh, a director of football appointing another first team. I, I wouldn't want them keeping Kennedy on. I don't think it's any secret about that. But you know, if there was somebody else to come and think, actually, we think you know it might benefit you having a, a Scottish coach or somebody that maybe knows the league or somebody that maybe knows the club, that's not a problem. But I, I would like to think uh, a manager 
an assistant and a first team coach. I, I would personally I would grant him that. Mike, can you take it down? I I I don't believe that um, all the man's man's coming to like all these that's got to happen. I think they messed up with him. Like, I'm not going to mention any name because he just gets to die. It's, it's time for like people to move on, and just the guy, the guy like he says, the guy will bring his own stuff. I don't think he'd take the job getting dictated to just based on what the guys were saying yesterday about him, and just even looking into the guy. He's he's got that many accolades and league title wins and that. Then he he'll decide who he wants to be there. In my opinion. Mark, mm-hmm. just going to was something you said there, like that the that the, the manager shouldn't be looking at certain departments within the backroom staff. One department, in my opinion, that needs to be sorted out and maybe be needs to look at being his own person there is the sports science because as I spoke in previous podcasts, the fact that Tim Williamson is, is there and he was demoted twice. But see, for me, honestly, Paul, that shouldn't be, no matter who the manager is, for me, that isn't under his remit. Mm-hmm. That should be chosen uh, to the football and CEO level. Because as I spoke about, but no one, the, the next manager to leave and rip the hearts and guts out. Exactly. Again. So there are certain positions for me that it's up to these these guys, the professionals, it's up to them to find a work. Adapt to, yeah, adapt to, adapt to him. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You're not a manager coming in and saying, right, I want, probably seem to have kind of get down the road with Eddie Howe. I want this boy here, this boy there, this boy doing that. It can't be that. The club's got to, as the two guys said there, and that the manager's got to be allowed to pick certain people, trust people he trusts. And then after that, it's got to become like club decisions, the best people we can afford and find to do the job. Mm-hmm. Uh, before we, we move on, lads, and uh, for a short finish, before I go to Michael to say something to the live chat and stuff, uh, from Wednesday, we're expecting an appointment maybe Wednesday, Thursday, because supposedly after the Yokohama's game Wednesday, he's on a flight to Athens, he's going to be in Glasgow, he's going to. Is it exciting times, lads, that we get signings in and we get the deal done as soon as possible? Barry? Oh, without a doubt, yes. Without a doubt. You know, I said I'd finish on a high this week instead of a, a donor, which is a big change for myself. Yeah, no, I mean, I mean, yeah, absolutely. You know, like I say, we're keeping closer and closer to... Um, you know the, the pre-season start, and we're not too far away from the Champions League. So the, the sooner you know uh, Foster Colby comes in, then the sooner we start to get the the deals done over the line. And like I say, it's hopefully going to be an exciting time in the next few weeks, and uh, we'll see plenty of activity and plenty to talk about on future podcasts. I think everyone's going to be excited in the first signing, isn't it? The first player that he signs, that there's going to be excited that eventually, gradually, we we have players coming in. You know that the fans will start getting excited, and hopefully, this negativity along the club starts slipping away. Michael, I think the manager's first couple of signings will basically set the tone for yeah what, what's going to happen. That, that's what I think. Um, I've said it since uh, it was rumoured, and I'll say it again. I've just got massive confidence in the guy, and um, I just I've got a, for once I've got a bit of a good feeling. But it says until he's actually standing whether it's in a hotel room because he's in quarantine or whatever, but until it's actually on the actual website, then I'm still going to hedge my bets because that's what happens at every house. Exactly. Barry, just before we move on, 
do, do you know anything around his uh, pro license thing? It's going to say it could take several weeks for that to be reviewed through this process it goes through. You know, obviously there's media that's been in touch with UEFA and stuff like that, and they've explained that you know Celtic are put in for an exemption and it could take several weeks. I, you know what, they might be right in terms of legalities and terminology. I don't think it's going to affect the actual process now. You know, uh-huh. I think he will come in and he will take training. You know, he'll do his quarantine, he'll take training, and he'll start to sort of put his thumb on things. There might very well be an issue in terms of he needs to, you know, go through his license. He'll do that on the job. I think they'll get, Celtic will get the necessary, uh, the necessary means to, to get him in the job. I don't, I don't envisage it being a. Why is just turned your camera on? I don't know. Uh, that's Barry, I think he's video on. <laughs> so, thank you. No, it's awesome. Just go by that, like so. Hey, but Dr. Barry, that lump looked a bit dubious here, son. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know what part of that body, what part of your body was. I was Barry, looking at you. <laughs> would, he be, would he be able to still take, to remain the Celtic trade and stuff, even though his pro licence hasn't been agreed, Mark? Can we still expect him to be? Oh, there's ways and means around that. We spoke about it. Gerard came in without his license, even gave mm. back Martin O'Neill. I found, I found out Martin O'Neill was his. I think all bosses, but the, the, the issue with the, the thing I'm reading is that because they were managing Europe and they had the experience in Europe, and the issue was there, there's a slightly thing that he's never been in Europe, and and that's. I don't know. Maybe uh, Michael will know that's his wife's a nurse. See if Michael's wife went to work in America with her. Qualifications be recognised. Right. As far as I believe, in America, no, but in Australia, yes. Oh, right. I was just meaning, surely, surely these skills and your qualifications are there's some kind, kind of transferability. Yeah. That's what. Uh, for 20, 25, 25 years, they're saying like, sure, you've got that, and because he was international football as well. That they were in the World Cup and he coached in the World Cup. That his experience should be surely, surely needs to be covered with. I, a FIFA kind of coaching badge to manage the World Cup. I think Celtic Barry would have kind of known this as well, like and would have been looking into this already with his department. You know. No, you you like to hope so, but you know I I really don't see this as a stumbling block. I think no. what you're going to find is over the next sort of. Days and weeks, you know, Postacol is going to get appointed very soon, as far as I'd like to believe. You're going to get multiple stories in the media saying, oh, he can't do this, and he's not going to be able to be in the dugout that. I just think that it's a, you're going to get a lot of negative stories around this issue, but for me, I actually don't see it. As a I think he'll go about his business as usual. What I mean is that he get the exemption, right, that he'd be able to coach, but he'd be able to coach you know, for three years, and within those three years, he'd have to take his pro licence within those three years to extend his career in, in Europe. That's what I'm kind of reading around the things that he can't yeah, take it like. Yeah, I mean, if, if, that's, if that's what you need to do, you know, if you have to have yeah. a UEFA pro licence to be manager, that's, and he will do that, you know, the, the Celtic will get on to that, he'll get through his licence, I don't mean I'll take him three years, however long I'll take, he'll get through his licence, it's not a problem. It's obviously just a bit of paper that's not 
recognised because he's never managed in Europe. But I really don't see it as a stumbling block. But I think what you will see is you'll probably see multiple stories across the, the mainstream media saying that it is a stumbling block and you know he's not going to be able to do this and he's not going to be able to sit in the dugout, he's not going to be able to manage. I, I don't think it'll be the case. I think he'll just go about his business as usual. Mm-hmm. Folks, before we move on with, uh, with and close the show, uh, I just want to hand off to Michael there for a few minutes. Michael would like to say something about a charity match that he's hoping to organise, Mike. Yeah, what it was is I was hoping to obviously get the I spoke to Mark and Paul earlier about this, and um, I'm wanting to do it on a charity football match, mostly guys from the the, the website and the basically the podcast and um, I reached out to a, a couple of professional football clubs um, in, in, uh, in Scotland and I've had a reply from two clubs that are hoping to put on the venue so I'm hoping to get together 30 guys that are willing to give up a day of their time to play um, in this charity match and raise some money for the NHS and it'd just be good to get but hopefully like, they want to get 30 guys or 32 guys, possibly, like say, two, 11 v 11 with four or five subs each. Um, and like I say, hopefully there's guys on the forum that would be interested in participating. I'm looking to put it on in the next four to eight weeks, so there's plenty of notice as well. I'm hoping to hear back by Friday by one of the football club's dates and possible, like I says, it's all, like I says, until I actually get dates from the actual football club, and I don't want to really say who it is in case it falls through but it's a reasonably high profile Scottish football club and um, they're willing to host the event based on dates and when I get dates I'll let Mark and that known and get posted on the website but if guys can let myself, Mark or Paul or anyone know on the site that they're wanting to participate it would be great just so I can get numbers Perfect, unfortunately due to COVID regulations, unfortunately unavailable, but folks that's all from tonight, Uh, before we go I just want to ask you to check out Gavin's website, uh, the Indy Kelts who was having the other day and check out uh, Celtic Australia's football website and Twitter for myself, thanks to Barry and Michael for coming on the show, Uh, thanks to you on the live chat for myself, thanks and good night, Mark. Nice Paul, thanks Mike back again. Oh. Uh, thanks, everybody. Nice chat. Uh, hope you've enjoyed that episode. Good night. God bless. Mikey, Mikey, if you're still on, mate, I'm up for that. Count me in. Are your knees all right, Barry? Are you sure? <laughs> <laughs> if she's anybody listening, even I was right. I thought out there if if Mark can get it on the YouTube channel. I I unfortunately I can't be there, but I do a watch along and I commentate on the match if we can get a screen. This all right. I'm sorry, something like that. If anybody wants to get in touch over the game, eh, there's a link to you link in the description. You can get in touch with me through that, or you can even email me ed 7 at live dot go dot uk. So something to get interested in, lads. So. Hope you are on to that. Good night. God bless. Good night. Hi, all good. Cheers, guys. Right. This episode of the Boz and Bovril podcast was originally broadcast on the Celtic Rumours TV YouTube channel.